morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, February 28th. On this date in 1983, after 11 years on the air, the final episode of MASH, titled Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, aired on CBS. It brought in the biggest audience of all time to that date. And on this date in 1984, Michael Jackson won a record eight Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year for Thriller and Record of the Year for Beat It. And put your thinking caps on. It's time for this morning's trivia question. On this date in 2013, Pope Benedict XVI made a historic move that a pope hadn't done in 600 years. What did he do? I'll tell you in just a couple of minutes. But first, it's time to have a look at that Wednesday forecast over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. And good Wednesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovat. A mild start to our day. Breezy outside as well. As the wind picks up ahead of a cold front, that doesn't arrive until tonight. So out ahead of it, a warm and breezy day with a mix of sun and clouds. Highs in the upper 70s inland will be in the 60s. A little cooler out toward the beaches. But once we get into this evening, we do have a chance of a couple of showers late this evening. Then a cold front moves through. So we start out tomorrow morning in the 40s and a high only near 60 degrees tomorrow. Looks dry on our Thursday. Rain chance goes up on Friday, but back down as we get into the weekend. Right now, it looks like Saturday and Sunday. We'll have some clouds around, but not much of a rain chance. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Folks who live in the 10-mile community in Ondaw turned out in droves to Charleston County Council's latest meeting to voice their support for some proposed rezoning changes. Last night, council members voted on whether or not to rezone the historic settlement community. Live 5 Sesame Kennedy was there and tells us what changes were approved. The community got their wish last night. The ordinance did pass and 10-mile will be rezoned. During Tuesday's public hearing, 10 Mile community members filled the county chamber and one by one shared why they strongly feel their community should be rezoned from four homes per acre to three homes per acre like other settlement communities in the county. And our community's concerns are being heard and addressed. Now the powers to be want changes made to these policies. That's big business, realtors, and developers. In January, community members wrote 25 letters to the council in support of the rezoning and a petition with 16 signatures in support of the changes to reduce the density of the historic district and to help maintain the prevailing character of the community. Community members say this decision will control growth both now and in the future. After all the support of the rezoning, the council passed the third reading of the ordinance. Because of vagueness, it was not convenient for a way of life and traffic. But I'm saying it was a one petition, one person, one email who supports these changes from the community. Can anybody answer that? I didn't see one. That's what I'm asking. Some council members said even though they support the ordinance, they want community members to understand that they are downzoning their properties. Reporting in North Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Also during last night's meeting, council members voted to amend a controversial tree ordinance. County Council says the new approval process will streamline the process and allow the public to share input at one hearing per development project. Opponents say removing the process removes necessary checks and balances that protect trees that are vital to Charleston and its culture. 
Rethink Folly Road, the major project that's supposed to improve pedestrian and cyclist safety on James Island, has been in the works since 2016, but phase one has yet to begin. But officials say since this is such a big project, there's a lot that has to go into it before we start to see real changes along the road. Autumn Klein joins us live from Folly Road this morning to tell us about some challenges this project has been facing, as well as any update that we may see tonight. Good morning, Autumn. Good morning, Shelby and Katie. Last year, county officials completed the road safety audit where they reviewed collision and crash data and walked the corridor to identify safety issues. That data was then provided to SCDOT, who has since been developing concepts to make safety improvements while still remaining in budget. Tonight, the steering committee will meet to discuss the project, and SCDOT is set to provide an update on the road safety audit. Phase one of the project has already been identified as a priority segment of the project based on crash and collision rates involving pedestrians, but they are still in the process of finalizing everything. This phase would include a sidewalk and bike lane widening, intersection improvements, visibility painting, and median work. Because this is such a large area that they're planning to work on, the municipalities involved had to work with each individual property owner who would be impacted through phase one. These right-of-way discussions have taken a bit longer than anticipated. There are also multiple funding sources for phase one, and receiving federal funding has required certain protocols, which has also taken time, but they are making progress. I spoke with Katie Zimmerman, executive director of Charleston Moves, who shared that she hopes that plans from the from the road safety audit are almost completed and that they can soon move to receiving public comment. I'm hoping that SCDOT will say we've, our, our concepts for the public are close to ready and we are looking at a public meeting date for the public to review those, but just to kind of bring everybody up to speed to sort of explain why they do them, what the end goal is, and how, how the public when and how they can get involved so that we make sure what's proposed is something that, that people are excited about. The steering committee meeting for the Reefing Folly Road project is set to take place tonight at James Island Town Hall. The meeting will begin at 5 p.m. and they plan to provide an update on phase one in addition to the road safety audit update. Live on James Island, Autumn Klein, Live 5 News just how much it costs you for the Charleston County School District to supply body cameras for its security team. Because these cameras are always worn, Live 5 decided to request those numbers to see how much it's costing you. The district has spent almost $65,000 on 44 cameras since 2019. That's when they were introduced as part of the district's random search program. Compared to other low country school districts, Dorchester School District 4 and Berkeley County have none. Colleton County Schools have one. The University of Georgia is working to keep its students and staff members safe after the death of a 22-year-old on campus last week. Lakin Riley was a nursing student at a nearby school and was found dead Thursday after jogging near a lake on campus. Now, school officials say they are increasing the school police budget as well as adding lighting upgrades, license plate readers, and camera blue light call box systems across campus. Students will also have extended access to the campus's safe rideshare program. Program. Lawmakers are once again debating whether or not to allow South Carolinians to carry loaded handguns without a permit or training. Both the House and the Senate have passed the bill known as permitless or constitutional carry, but their versions are different. Our Nick Reagan joins us now. And Nick, you've been following this legislation that's been in both chambers. So how are lawmakers working on some sort of compromise? Yeah, guys, that conference committee designed to work out the differences between the two bills. They met for the first time just yesterday. 
Now, it was made up of three senators and three representatives. The House version would allow those 18 and older to carry loaded guns without a permit or training. Plus, it would tack on Governor Henry McMaster's request for stricter penalties against people like felons who can't own guns. The Senate version does all of that as well, but it also adds optional free gun training twice a month in every county. It also has tougher penalties for people who don't have a permit but are caught carrying where it's prohibited, like in a school or courthouses, unless you're a state lawmaker. The ultimate goal is to extend the Second Amendment freedoms for our citizens in South Carolina, but also to actually get, you know, illegal criminals who are using guns off the streets as well. So that's the two big things I think we'll, we'll work together on. As we work through some of these differences, I want to make sure that we focus on the big issue of just the constitutional carry. Now, the committee wasn't able to reach a compromise yesterday, but says it'll pick up discussions at its next meeting, which has yet to be announced. It should also be noted that Governor McMaster has said that he'll sign the bill into law if it makes it all the way to his desk. Ladies, back to you. Nick, thank you. Organizations from across South Carolina gathered at the state house to call on lawmakers to pass legislation with harsher punishments for drug traffickers. Yesterday, organizations like Fentanyl Kills You and Fentanyl Education Awareness Resources urged lawmakers to pass the drug-induced homicide bill. Last year, the General Assembly passed a bill adding fentanyl-related drugs to the list of controlled substances, making fentanyl trafficking a felony offense. The new bill would upgrade the crime to a violent offense punishable by more than 30 years in prison. I think with this Senate bill, you know, the burden is going to be the burden of proof. That's what is going to be stuck in there from the trial lawyer situation. And and that's who we're going to have to fight to, to get it across because law enforcement obviously is behind it and they need more tools. The rally comes as data from the National Institute on Drug Abuse found deaths involving synthetic opioids like fentanyl have risen from the low 10,000s to more than 70,000 overdoses between 2015 and 2021. A Colleton County man is pushing for stricter laws after losing both his brother and niece in a hunting accident. Four years ago, Kim Drotty and his nine-year-old daughter Lauren, you see them there, they died in a wooded area of Walterboro. An incident report from the State Department of Natural Resources shows Sean Peterson admitted to shooting toward the bushes, thinking he heard a deer. In reality, it was the Drotties. About seven months later, Peterson was charged with criminal negligent use of a firearm resulting in death, and he bonded out of jail. Now, Kevin Drotty says Peterson's charges were like nothing, and he's working to prevent anyone in this kind of accident from ever hunting again arguing the state needs a law preventing anyone from having a hunting license if they're involved in a deadly incident. He knew better than shooting into the bushes, not knowing what he was shooting at. It's the worst part about it, but yet you're going to turn around and you allow him to hunt still? I mean, it's not right. Now, the State Department of Natural Resources says Peterson still has his hunting privileges, but only holds an active license for fishing. Peterson's trial date in the Drotty's deaths has not been set yet. For you to apply for South Carolina's school voucher program. Under this program, families can get up to $6,000 in education aid. That bill was signed by Governor Henry McMaster last year. Our Tiana Maxwell is in North Charleston this morning. So, Tiana, what do folks need to know? Good morning, Katie and Shelby. The program was designed to allow families to spend money to send their elementary, middle, or high school children to private or independent schools. The fund 
will give families $6,000 per student per school year and will help pay for expenses like tuition and fees, learning materials, tutoring, and technology that is needed. I spoke with Dr. Marie Owens, founder and executive director of Charleston Classical School, an approved independent school by the state. Owens says the initiative can be a big help for the school and a real big help for South Carolina. Owens urges new applicants to go ahead and apply for next year as it can be a big help with tuition. Our current students would not be eligible to apply because of the pre-requirement for public school enrollment. Um, but all new applicants, we are asking them to go ahead and apply for the scholarship because if they do fall within the, the, the guidelines, um, it would be a big help for them to be able to bring those dollars to help offset the cost of their child's tuition. Students that are residents of the state and attended a public school last year are eligible for the aid, along with household incomes not being 200% over the federal poverty guidelines. The 2024 to 2025 school year can see up to 5,000 scholarships awarded with a deadline of March 15th. You can find that application on our website, live5news.com. Reporting live in North Charleston, Tiana Maxwell, Live 5 News. At the beginning of the show, I told you Pope Benedict XVI did something for the first time in 600 years on this date in 2013. What did he do? He resigned after eight years. Pope Francis succeeded him. Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, actor, director, dancer Tommy Toon is 85. Actress Bernadette Peters is 76. Actress Radon Chong is 63, and Days of Our Lives actress True O'Brien is 30. Thanks so much for joining us for Morning Y'all, powered by Life 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Life 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.